So now on the Innovation Show, it's a great honor to welcome Gene Fine. Gene, it's it's going to be a struggle to do this intro, man, because you've done so many amazing things. CEO at Digital Music Network, co-founder and CEO of Berkshire Music Glen Productions. You were a concert series operator with great artists such as Bob Dylan, the Neville Brothers, Doobie Brothers, Willie Nelson, Marley Brothers, many, many others. You were the patent holder of over 100 patents now and 250 patents pending with your genetics operation and your CEO and inventor there. Your CEO at Humbolo Technologies. You've worked with Bill Gates Foundation, James Cameron, and market leading technology companies. I hope I did you credit there, Gene. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Aiden. That's a wonderful introduction. Uh, I'm honored to be on your show today, and uh, just speaking with you, I can I can tell we have a lot in common, and uh, just very appreciative of the opportunity to speak with you today. I think the best thing to do is just, if you would, give us an introduction to your journey, maybe even before your professional journey. So your mindset, and then how you progressed to where you are today? Sure. Uh, Well, my mindset was I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, was the son of an MIT engineer and a speech pathologist. And consequently, I don't have a Boston accent because she would not allow us to eat our wonderful fried potatoes if we spoke with a Boston accent. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And uh, I was—I grew up uh, being very competitive, playing sports all the time, and still love sports. Um, and I think that uh, competitiveness has driven the way that I've approached uh, business and entrepreneurship. And uh, after I went to school, I started uh, managing bands in Boston, and I was able to get a job offer to work on a music television show in Los Angeles. So I moved out there, and that was how things started for me in the entertainment business. And from the entertainment business, I began working with technology companies who are interested in entertainment and um, consulting for them. When I became CEO of Digital Music Network, I uh, fell in love with invention. Invention's been a big part of my life since then. And developing inventions, developing technologies and developing new products and spinning them out into companies that we nurture and uh, I've been very fortunate the whole way because I've had such great friends, family, co-workers, and mentors who enabled me to be successful. And uh, that's really the key to any success that I've had has been the, the people that have been so supportive of me as a person and as a professional. We were talking before the show, and if you don't mind me saying and you didn't have it easy in school. You, you, you have dyslexia. It seems to me you you never saw it as a disadvantage, and it's one of these in the world. It's framed as a disadvantage, and in the education system, it's framed as a disadvantage because when a gift like that can be liberated and it can be seen as a gift, you can have results like you and your inventive mind and your up your ability to see around corners and spot the next gap in the market. Well, thank you very much. I, I think that is true for myself with this dyslexia and probably for many others is that we think a little bit differently because our brains are different. For me, that's been a huge advantage. I think now in many educators are more sensitive to students who have those kind of different qualities such as dyslexia. And it's not looked upon today as such a scarlet letter as it was when I was in school when people couldn't even identify what it was. How did you deal with that, Gene? Like, you know, I read about this thing called AQ, which is adversity quotient, and it comes from 
overcoming adversity and you know sometimes you get it from sport and sometimes you get this kind of grit and determination from there and most successful people have a huge uh, very high adversity quotient and you seem to be you seem to have that and it's part of your success i think that is that is probably true i think the way that i was able to overcome it was you're right i I was very competitive so i didn't uh, want people to tell me i couldn't do things i developed a series of cues um, which helped me overcome some of the stumbling blocks with the for instance i was a huge baseball fan in boston and still am growing up i would uh, imagine myself sitting behind home plate at fenway park And I knew that Carl Yastrzemski played left field and Dwight Evans played right field. So I would just simply go through that hand motion with myself. And that's how I would always remind myself of what was left and right. When someone asked me directions someplace or where is something, that's how I would determine left from right. And then after a while, it just became ingrained. And so I developed a series of cues like that, whether it had to do with letters or had to do with um, the way that I solved the math problem. And by developing those series of cues, starting from very simple cues like the left and right one we just discussed, I was able to navigate through some parts of the disability that would hold me back for traditional learning paradigms. That thinking that that gives you, that way to overcome and and not let any adversity get you down, it's almost like you, you can break off the wing mirrors and just keep on going. I think that's one of the things a lot of people give up. You know, there's that famous story uh, Napoleon Hill talked about giving up three feet from gold when they're almost there because you hit adversity after adversity, but the person who keeps going and, and overcomes them eventually wins. Yeah, I think one thing that's helpful about that is you can't let a, a bad day or a series of bad days or some struggling months, you can't let that get you down. You just have to wake up and address the next day. And I think that's really important when you're building a business or rolling out an opportunity because when you're building a business and rolling out an opportunity, the main thing you have to do in order to be successful is convince other people that this is an opportunity that they need, that they need to be a part of, that they need to purchase, that they need to support. A big part of that is perseverance and going around and and being willing to um, put yourself on the line every day for what you're trying to build business wise or personally or philosophically. Yeah, and it's it's something actually I'm always wary of with my kids is that I don't want to make it difficult for them, but I don't want to make it too easy. I want them to earn what they have and I want them to understand that you need to work and you need to be able to overcome obstacles you don't want to be too much of a helicopter or a lawnmower parent smoothing the way in front because that's not life yep you're right and it's a tough thing to resist too because you want the best for your kids and you want to give your kids the best and you know you've worked hard to give your kids the best but the the reality is that they have to develop those same tools on their own those same coping tools and if everything's provided to them relatively easy they might not have those coping tools. they won't learn how to develop them so listen gene sorry man i I went on a total segue there we'll come back to the pathway of your career you got involved in managing bands and then you got to manage some awesome artists you're a grammy voting member still 
And this was probably the start of that journey for you as well with Berkshire Music Glen Productions. What happened with Berkshire Music Glen Productions was um, when I moved out to California, I was fortunate enough to work on ABC in concert for five years and, you know, I was executive in charge of production and producer and and directed um, over 100 segment episodes. And that's when I really became a Grammy voting member. And then from there, uh, moved back to the East Coast and we started a concert series at a baseball park called Wakona Park that was um, the oldest baseball park in the country, over 112 years old. And we were very fortunate to get Dylan to come and uh, we held the largest event in the history of that 112-year-old stadium. So that was kind of cool. We liked doing that. And then Dylan liked it enough that he came back um, the next year, which he he really doesn't do that. So it was a great experience, and and uh, it was great to bring music to this town that uh, did not have a lot of Pittsfield, which did not have a lot of uh, national artists coming to the town at the time. So it was a. Uh, Really enjoyable. So I know you, you got your love for inventing during your digital music network time, and you worked on a precursor to Winamp and iTunes and the whole music digital music setup. You saw that coming around the corner. But how did you make the jump then onto Tombolo Technologies and onto technology and onto all the patents that you have? How, how did you make that jump from music and bringing music artists into town into basically being an inventor? Sure. I made the jump because um, when I was hired to be the CEO of Digital Music Network, I started looking at the existing IP and I really didn't know anything about patents at the time. And so I just committed myself to learn about the patents so that I could understand every element of our business. And as I started learning about them, I just really was intrigued by the fact that you could patent inventions and patent ideas because I had been all these years writing these notebooks with ideas that had no destination point. And so I was able to have an outlet for my ideas and to then start to refine those ideas to meet the market. What I mean by that is you can't invent something that's going to be good 20 years from now. You have to invent something that's going to be good and going to be helpful to people within three years because otherwise most companies who would be unless you're going to drive it into the market yourself which we do sometimes most companies who you would partner with to drive an invention forward they can't see beyond four quarters because they're so fixed on the quarterly structure of companies and having to deliver for shareholders and investors. And so honing that invention uh, sensibility and trying to forecast what's immediately next that people have not forecasted yet is one of the primary challenges of innovation. It sure is. We see it in Cataway here all the time as well. If you go too far ahead and you need to know that there's a need for that product or service or business model in the future, how do you deal with that, Gene? Well, for instance, um, sometimes we would be too far ahead. Like we were too far ahead with the Green Roadway portfolio where 
we defined solar and wind systems along roadways, which would then feed charging stations at gas stations for electric vehicles. Well, at the time, there was no electric vehicles uh, basically on the road. Very, very few. Tesla hadn't come along yet. There was no Volt. There was no there were no mainstream vehicles on the road. And so when we first invented it, people said, no, that's not going to happen ever. Your portfolio is useless. Well, turned out that now we've got it licensed to, you know, the largest solar companies in the world and they've installed those systems, but it took us physically not just inventing and not just licensing, but actually going out and, partnering with companies to build these systems that made it possible man i'd love if we actually deep dived into that a bit because i think that's just an awesome product can we talk about that for a second you were ahead of the market but you were so bang on what was required sure so what the green roadway is is it's a series of uh, solar and wind uh, gathering devices that are installed along the roadway and they're installed along the roadway to take advantage of the existing power infrastructure. And um, that power infrastructure allows for less line loss with solar and makes it more convenient to the actual grid that's in place rather than running long line runs from the desert or the ocean. And it also is very efficient in that it takes advantage of this footprint that is available by the side of many highways. And so it enables the gathering of the energy to either be fed back conveniently into the grid or to be fed to charging stations. And then we developed a full-on system that also included specific panels for cars, micro-wind turbines, all kinds of associated technologies, even thermal energy gathering from below the permafrost layer, just all ways that you could create efficient energy gathering systems tied them into a single gathering points and easy distribution points for use. And so literally people laughed at us yeah. when we came and presented the portfolio to them at first because they, it was during the Bush administration and they said, oh, solar's never going to happen. Electric vehicles are never going to happen. You know, wind is a very, very limited use case and get out. <laughs> yeah, but that that's so common. I mean, I, if you think about Yahoo turned down Google when Google tried to sell Yahoo, when you think about Reed Hastings, Netflix CEO trying to sell to Blockbuster, and he was laughed out of the room, literally like you. This is a pattern that happens all the time, and still people don't realize because if you're going to be an innovator, you're going to be misunderstood. Yes, definitely, and it's a commitment to persevere if you want to be successful at it, and um, it is not all a joyride by any means. There are times when, you know, you're going to question your, your decisions. You're going to question your inventions. You're going to question everything. And you have to be able to persevere through that and push through. And that links nicely back to your lessons to cope and, and get around the challenges you, you would have had in the education system with dyslexia. I guess my the way that um, I try and cope with things when they are not going well is essentially the same way that I try and cope with things when they're doing well, which is when you shut your eyes to go to sleep, that's your time to recharge. And then when you wake up the next day, 
that's the time to get after it again. Can you shut off well, Gene? Do you shut? Do you? Can you shut your mind down pretty well? Yes, I can shut it all down. When it's time to shut it down at the end of the day, I can completely shut it down. And um, you know, I I think that's the key to it is that whether things are going great or things are going poorly, you wake up and it's a fresh day of opportunity. Sometimes people say, uh, like you did in the in the introduction, you were you were very gracious in pointing out some of the things that uh, that have come into my life over the years. But I always tell people, you know, you're only as good as your last project. You're only as good as your your last day. Yeah. And and I believe that you yeah. need to do it every day. And that's kind of how I try and approach things. Yeah, that's kind of a very a sporting mindset as well. You're only as good as your last game. Because that's yes. just life, you know. You don't rest on your laurels, or you just won't get picked. So I'm just, I'm just trying to think where I <laughs> put us on another segue. We were talking about being too far ahead, and you said you were too far ahead with the green roadway. Um, mm. But you were, we were talking about how do you bring CEOs and leaders on that journey with you to understand that this is coming next. That's a great question. The job is first of all, you have to um, either have a person who's willing to listen right from the start or figure out ways to get them to listen. You need to lay it out there in a logical business case for people so that they can see, okay, here's where the market is. Here's where I'm headed. Here's where you're headed. Here's where you could go if you implemented this technology. Here's what the potential market is for that. Here's the plain of what it would look like revenue-wise and profit-wise if you head on the course you are now, here's how implementing this technology can change that course. And if you can explain it that way, and you're talking to a CEO or CFO, and you lay it out step-by-step, step, the majority of people are going to understand that. Except CFO might start uh, <laughs> trying to block it, because he's, he's the guy trying to make the books balance, like you said earlier. Because you're being measured quarter to quarter or over 12 months, and and also that's where you're being bonused on. And they don't. I just yep. see. I, I actually see most in innovation initiatives by companies as control initiatives. They're trying to go. Okay, well we have an incubator, and innovation's all in control. And then you come in, and you 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 turn over some rocks that they don't want to see under, and you're kind of going, look over here. This is happening, and they just don't want to know because. Of measurement, and I don't, I don't blame people because, you know, they're incentivized in in the short term. There's very, very few leaders going. Okay, I'm interested in the viability of my com company beyond my term. I call it the global warming effect, Gene, where people are like, oh yeah, what's well, not going to affect me in my lifetime or before I retire? There's a huge leadership problem in the world. You struggle to find those leaders who actually want to go. I want to plant the seeds for the future where I can see an oak tree, where my kids can see the oak tree long after I'm gone. You're exactly correct. And a lot of those CFO discussions come down to a question that gets asked from a CFO, which is, can you guarantee it? And of course, when you roll out any new technology, there is no guarantee. Yeah. Okay. can only lay out a case for how it would work. But yeah. a CFO is you know, they're looking rightfully to guide the ship of their company so that it's going to be successful and they don't want to take adverse risk. So they want as much defined clarity and certainty as possible. And of course, that runs contrary to anything that is brand new. Um, 
So it's interesting because you have to construct a likely success scenario and how that scenario looks. But at the end of the day, it is very difficult to guarantee that success. It is possible to point out the roadmap in detail to that success, but you're essentially guaranteeing that their organization is going to perform the whole way through and that the customer base is going to react to it the way that you think they're going to react to it. You predict the way they react to it based upon market conditions, but it, there are no guarantees. Yeah, and they have to do something. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. It's like, it often reminds me of, of people who bet on horses. Like, you know, you're better off spreading your bets and betting on all the horses and have some foals growing in, <laughs> in some offshoot somewhere that's like totally different race they're going to be running. But you got to do that, otherwise you're going to lose ultimately. And um, yep. that's a challenge, man. That is, it's, it's a big challenge in the world because we're going to see more and more disruption. The business world's in flux, let alone from, from a political standpoint. But you have customers' mindsets and values changing. Then you have new business models and disruptors coming up, and there's going to be companies disappearing a yep. lot, lot in the future. Well, you look at, if you want to use a sports analogy, the teams that are most successful in sports are the ones who are making constant investments in their growth. Not just buying star players, but investing in minor league systems, investing in nutritional systems for their teams, investing in smart travel systems so their players don't get sick and they feel rested after travel. All those kind of things. Teams that are trying to actually innovate and invest in systems that will improve their team, not just by buying star players, but by utilizing technology, utilizing new systems, utilizing scouting and minor league systems and making big investments into those. If you want to look at teams in any professional league that have been dominant for the last 10 to 15 years, it's those teams that have made those investments. Yeah, you're true. You're right, man. And you look at teams like the All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team. I mean, those guys are streets ahead because they're not followers. They're not Me Too offerings. They're actually sitting and they're testing out new regulations, new laws in the game. They're the first to test them out, and they're going, "Yes, please, we'll do it because we'll understand it way better than others should it should they come in those laws." It's taken a long time for other other sports teams to understand that. Yep, absolutely. And in the U.S., with baseball teams, you see the executives who make the investments in minor league systems. And those are the teams who invariably are competitive year in and year out. I look at new technology in a way as minor league system. You develop and grow new technology until it's ready to be a major offering. If you're not trying to develop and grow that technology, if you're just trying to plug and play or follow, well... If you are following the leader, then that's what you are doing. You're following the leader. Yeah. So you can follow the leader or you can be the leader. I think actually, you know, we're going to see more and more, more and more people in, in the world wanting to work for companies who have a real meaning and a real, uh, a real North Star, a place to go and that actually stand for something and, and want to change the world. And I don't, I don't think that's a, that's not a come by ah statement. That's, that's actually happening, and we're seeing that. We're seeing people talk about millennials job hopping, but the, what I actually feel they're actually looking for companies who have purpose and meaning. 
I agree with you. I think that people are starting to realize, hey, I have one life. I'd like to do something that is positive and that makes the world a better place. That leads nicely, man, to your next jump, which is genetics and also your work with CBD. I've been doing research on CBD for the last few years, and we realized that CBD could be extremely helpful for people in terms of wellness and potentially easing pain, and it's a neuroprotectant, and the National Institute of Health here in the States about 12 years ago patented uh, various CBD and um, cannabinoid combinations for the sole purpose of treating conditions like Parkinson's and uh, epilepsy and very, very groundbreaking patents from the National Institute of Health. And then nothing really happened with the science. We started looking at it and started formulating a product, which we're extremely happy with called Therajoy. It's a topical CBD product, the strongest on the market at a thousand milligrams or four ounces. And we priced it below products that had inferior amounts of CBD in it because we want to get it into people's hands and help people. It's been wonderful. And our formula was based on a very specific concept, which is we wanted to pair the CBD with something that it's going to be able to deliver that CBD into the system. And so we use coconut oil because it has some very specific properties in it. Excellent as a delivery mechanism for the CBD. I heard you say before that it's the brain has receptors, obviously. So c CBD is uh, com f comes from the cannabis, right? It can come from cannabis and it can also come from hemp. Ours is uh, hemp-based because we want to go along with what they call the Hemp Act in the United States, which the Senate passed, which says you can use any derivative of the hemp plant under the Hemp Act and it's legal. So that allows us to provide our product to people in, in all 50 states and ship. And, um, and th so that's what we've been doing and it's been wonderful. It's been probably the most gratifying thing that I've done in my career because I've got people coming up to me literally with tears in their eyes saying, I've been on meds for spinal stenosis for the last three years and I was able to go off my meds by using your product. That's just been incredible and I believe in the product to the extent that I've gone around uh, myself, getting it into the first batches of uh, accounts in Los Angeles, our first uh, 26 accounts. And uh, it's been uh, before I brought on other sales reps that we have on now. And those first 26 accounts, we've already seen 22 reorder. So we know that the product has uh, been welcomed by both the retailers and the consumers. And we know we're onto something special. And we're in the process of uh, expanding our offerings to other therapeutic and wellness-based products that can help people. And we're super excited about doing that and bringing it into new markets. I tell you, man, it, it sounds amazing. And uh, it, it, so it goes beyond uh, anti-inflammatory. So it can help all types of inflammation. But it actually goes into brain uh, disorders or, you know, so stuff like Parkinson's and, uh, and Alzheimer's, it can help as well. Uh, I yep. used to think that it's all like, I mean, it's like a cure-all disease for inflammatory. 
Yep, it's a, it is somewhat of a, it seems to be somewhat of a cure-all from people who have been using it because we've got people with bad backs, we've had people with foot problems, we've had people with neck and shoulder problems, with arthritic hands, and we've heard incredible feedback from all those folks so far. And then in terms of it being a neuroprotectant, what I tell people is rub some of this on the back of your neck. Rub about a teaspoon on the back of your neck all the way up to your brain stem. And for me, it gives me a feeling of um, both clarity and relaxation at the same time. And there, I, I should point out, this is 100% non-psychoactive. This does not make you high at all. That's what CBD is not something that's going to make you high. But it does have incredible impacts on people and you know anyone um who's thinking about it i would encourage them to try it and, and is it available online uh, from terrajoy yes it is available online at terrajoypharma.com cool man okay i'm gonna get me some of that i will send you a jar <laughs> i'll be rubbing it on my brain man before the show in the future, that people will be like, that guy speaks a lot clearer than he used to. Well, actually, that's what I do every morning is I rub a little on the back of my neck. And it's it's um, really good, I believe, for just general wellness and clarity. And Gene, I, I'm kind of blown away. There's so much stuff here. You work with the Global Good Foundation with Bill Gates and everything. So your, your patents that you have pending as well, like you've over 250 pending on top of the 100 that you have cleared already. And... What are they around, those patents? Some of them are obviously your technology work with music, but what else have you got going there? There's some data patents. There's uh, um, quite a few that have to do with um, uh, medical delivery systems, um, which we, we spent a, a good amount of time on trying to figure more convenient and less intrusive delivery systems into the body for things. Um, let's see, um, a lot of advanced data patents and AI, and then the project that we're working on right now is actually, uh, a virtual reality portfolio that we started in about 2006 or 2005. And that portfolio is really interesting because it defines the basic sensor mapping systems that all VR systems are essentially using right now, all true VR systems. Nice. And that will most likely be used in the future. And um, so right now we are um, utilizing the portfolio um, both as a, for licensing for uh, companies that are interested in that and also we're developing the technology and I'm developing it with a gentleman named Chad Hugo, who people may know as uh, half of the Neptunes, along oh, yes. with Pharrell yeah. Williams. And so we are working on a VR music project together um, for uh, an app, which we think will have very widespread appeal for folks. It's a it's a VR karaoke app. Nice, man. And, and um, 
it's a lot of fun and uh, it's an uh, honor working with a guy like Chad who's achieved so much in his career and is uh, such a talented artist and individual. So right. that's been uh, really enjoyable developing that, developing that with him. I can, I can see now why you need that sleep, man. <laughs> all the things you got, all the plates you got spinning on sticks here uh, and the clarity of the TerraJoy products. But uh, that, that sounds awesome. And when, when is that going to hit the market, do you think? Um, we're planning on completing it by fourth quarter. Gene Fine, it's been an absolute honor speaking to you. We wish you the very best with all your products and all your patents, pending and otherwise. Gene Fine, inventor and all-around good human, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Aiden. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I hope you have a wonderful evening.